Gwei, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Spilling Labrador Tea Under Cedar Trees with Kate and Matt. Yes, happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. Coming to you again outside the country. Yes. We're so excited to just not come back to the country for a bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I think we've learned enough about us. Yeah. Time to, time to hear about other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and today we are going down to... Mexico. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have the lovely Lucero with us today. Uh, Lucero, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, hi, everybody. Um, yeah, I, my name is Lucero Gonzalez. I am originally from Mexico, grew up in Mexico City, and I immigrated to so-called Canada uh, when I was 18. Uh, right now, I just want to say I am coming from the uh, unceded territories of the Kiti and Kwantlen people out in Maple Ridge. So, unfortunately, not being able to be with uh, the two lovely hosts, but um, here we are. And yeah, I'll just do a little intro in Spanish as well. Mm-hmm. Um, hola a todos. <laughs> es un poco raro introducirme en español, pero mi nombre es Lucero González y soy originaria de la Ciudad de México. Uh, y. Eh, Actualmente vivo en las tierras de eh, Canadá eh, desde que tengo 18 años y muy feliz de estar aquí. Uh, so yeah, that was my little intro in Spanish, basically said the same thing. And I actually, I would like also to, I don't know much. I'm, I'm just learning to say a couple words in my grandma's language, in my traditional language. So I just know like two words and I'm just going to say them. I am basically going to say... Um, good afternoon, and my name is, because that's what I've learned in a month, so <laughs> to find things to learn from. So, um, so, Kide Matuhu Lucero Gonzalez. So, that's what I have. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, check back with me in two years, and <laughs> where we are. <laughs> That's a, I feel like that's a journey that a lot of us are on is reconnecting with our um, indigenous languages. It's a big one. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that leads into our first question. <laughs> um, basically is, you've already told us what your nation is. is. So what was your nation's experience when it comes to colonialism? Yeah, so I will say that I, you know, like, I'm, I come from Mexico, and I grew up in Mexico City, but uh, my dad, he actually immigrated to Mexico City from a little state called Hidalgo. It's just mm. two hours away from the city, um, going a bit north um, of Mexico. And he, um, we have indigenous ancestry from that side. My grandma was an indigenous woman, and she, unfortunately, because of colonization and because of uh, classism and racism she decided to leave that part of herself Mm. out and also not allow my dad or or my um my aunts and uncles to explore that ancestry so it's for the longest time of my life i really didn't identify with any indigenous uh nation or any indigenous i i just really didn't know that that part of myself but now I am proud to say that I I am exploring that ancestry and I 
my dad comes from the the Otomi nation, which actually the correct name is Nyanyu, but a lot of people know them as Otomi people. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandma was a Nyanyu um, woman, and I am exploring that part myself. So I would say that that's uh, kind of like the nation, maybe in, in that ancestry that I that I come from and that I'm uh, proud to say I'm from. Mm-hmm. Apparently, on the side of my mom, there was also like my great grandma was an Indian woman, but it's so complicated and it's so hard to know um, uh, that far out in time. So I haven't yet explored that part. But yeah, and you know, Mexico. I feel <laughs> Mexico is like a textbook. Hmm. In, in colonization, you know, it's um, it's war, it's uh, suffering, is uh, that's uh, basically the story of Mexico uh, in colonization started in 1521 when, oh, sorry, in 1519 when somebody, a Spanish man called Hernán Cortés arrived to Mexico. Uh, before that, obviously, we know that um, Cristóbal Colón came to the Americas, as they as they as they call them, mm-hmm. and after that, Hernán Cortés arrived in Mexico City, mm-hmm. and from there, it was just um, you know started to there, you know it's very complicated because there was in the indigenous nations that um, were allies to Hernán Cortés because mm-hmm. of the intimidation that it comes with people with firearms and like <laughs> weird stuff coming into your lands they uh they thought that that was the best course of action there is a lot of resentment still from some mexicans towards the people from those lands mm. but i think putting in their shoes it must have been very scary and mm. you know we never know the decisions that they had to to take in order to survive and yeah. continue on and so the colonization of mexico basically like the big part of the colonization in Mexico happened when Hernán Cortés and their troops took over the biggest civilization of indigenous people in Mexico, the Aztecs in the center of Mexico, which now is Mexico City. Mm. It was um, a city with more than 200,000 people living in it. It was called Tenochtitlan. And that was the biggest city, not only of Mexico, but of great part of America. They were kind of like the most powerful indigenous nation at that time in in America. And um, so when they take over that city, finally, they start taking over that city in 1519. And then they finally take over the city in 1521. It wasn't an easy thing. Um, Aztecs and uh, Aztecs in that city were very uh, versed on war and on fighting, and they were incredible um, fighters, uh, guerreros, I would say in Spanish, mm-hmm. and uh, warriors. Uh, sometimes I forget <laughs> <laughs> words in English, <laughs> and so it was it was hard. But once they took over that city, they started to expand more to the north and to the south, and taking smaller civilizations however it is sometimes forgotten that in in the story of mexico even though they took the biggest city of all uh, tenochtitlan they actually didn't manage to colonize every single indigenous nation around mexico there were some indigenous nations that were never colonized um 
and some of them which had to run to kind of like um like they had to leave their cities and they had to kind of like go into places where they knew the people from uh spain weren't going to be able to get into like um uh like I don't know, like on top of mountains and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and so some some of them didn't manage to to get colonized, which is pretty impressive and something that actually usually they don't teach you mm-hmm. in <laughs> in school when talking about colonization, right? And um, yeah, I mean, and that's kind of like the other important thing is that it's not only a physical colonization; it's a religious colonization. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a like health colonization because obviously we know that a big part of their colonization efforts was that people were just getting sick from yeah. smallpox and all of that and and that uh, made the made the indigenous people weaker to defend their 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 cities and their their territories so there's like different types of colonization that happened in different times in time uh the spiritual colonization and the religious colonization took much longer than the physical colonization and um and, you know in in a lot of sense colonization is i think an ongoing process until we manage to decolonize yeah um totally the, I, the system oh yeah, yeah. sorry <laughs> i was just gonna say like i really appreciate how you touched on like the different kinds of colonization right there's the physical colonization there's the biological colonization spiritual um, environmental um, and of course like the classic like divide and conquer right folks that went with the colonizers in order to survive and we can see these coloni- colonizing tactics throughout many parts of the world mm-hmm. um, so it's a very much an emerging theme of how it's just so easily replicated yeah 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 in in many cases I mean it's known that if they wouldn't have used divide and conquer and if they hadn't had indigenous allies colonization wouldn't have been possible yeah. it just mm-hmm. wouldn't have <laughs> they didn't have the knowledge that they needed to colonize mm-hmm. the, the territories right um and so yeah and then obviously mexico it is as like sovereign state we did have an independence we had a revolution so we are independent from our colonizers in some sense obviously we're still not independent in the sense of language and culture and and all of that but we did have an independence which um you know i think it's sometimes hard to talk about this because there's things that you learn in school and there's things that you have to unlearn. Mm -hmm. So um, when we talk about independence in Mexico, I think it is not quite an independence from Spain, Mm -hmm. much of an independence of the people that had power here wanted that, that were Spaniards or uh, there were, um, that wanted independence from the people that were controlling them yeah. in Spain, mm-hmm. right? So it wasn't, even though it's sometimes talked about a fight to get the lands back, which it is, but also it wasn't led by indigenous people mm-hmm. in Mexico. Uh, so it was just people that just wanted more power, mm-hmm. uh, which gave us our independence and you know we are <laughs> we're part of our independence we celebrate it every year but i think it is important to remember that we are really not independent that indigenous nations in mexico and indigenous people in mexico are not independent from 
this painter mm -hmm. called mm -hmm. Station yet. Um, and yeah, so I don't know. It's very hard. It's, yeah, it's hard to unlearn the story of your country when you've learned it since you were a kid and yeah. you had like image in your in your head and you again you celebrate independence every year but then it's like well what did that actually mean and mm -hmm. that's been a question for me um for so long but especially coming to canada which is like a very different context and learning about colonization in these lands it's very hard for me to put into perspective it's like well what did independence actually did what did the revolution actually did and what type of decolonization that gave us i would say very little mm -hmm. <laughs> um just made us able to be our own country <laughs> and they didn't have to respond to a monarchy but aside from that i think there's still a lot to be done and um definitely indigenous people in mexico are still very much suffering the effects of colonization mm -hmm. even though we're an independent country <laughs> yeah it's like that idea of like um throughout uh learning like our the history of canada the way that they put it forward it almost makes it sound like we're we're not here anymore and so i feel like that's the same energy down in mexico as they make it sound like um the indigenous people are just not there anymore and yeah. the people who are there were almost always there essentially is the the feeling um of how when i started learning about the history and then i went but but those aren't the original people and i know there's like the indigenous communities that are still there mm -hmm. they're just a lot smaller mm -hmm. and and more displaced almost um yeah yeah. Also, too, like I imagine with like the imperial influence of like the U.S. upon Mexico as well, it makes it harder to feel liberated mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> from colonizing forces when there's so much influence from the global north, too, and exploiting South America with mines and minerals and the terrible things we do internationally to each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's like it's it's very funny. We are very proud of Mexico. We're very proud that we're not part of Spain anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, that like, well, you still speak their language. Uh, you still practice a lot of um, traditions that came with that. Uh, a lot of people still follow the religion that the Spaniards uh, brought us, right? And, you know, contexts are, are very difficult and decolonization is a very difficult process. But um, I think... We need to tone it down with being <laughs> so proud of, of being, I think, um, independent from, in, in quotation marks, uh, from, from Spain. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's a very short story of Mexico. <laughs> and I, by, by no means I am a, a, an expert on, on <laughs> Mexican history. But yeah, it's, it's a very interesting mm -hmm. story that, that Mexico has. Mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. um with that in mind i know that like t in some sense colonialism just like up here is still ongoing um and but what's um what have you seen going on back home that is taking place and occurring to um reclaim and decolonize in a sense right like how did you get to learn some of your grandma's language that's a very hard question. Uh, I think it's hard for me to uh, answer it because my own personal experience with reclaiming my roots uh, and decolonizing, uh, the process of decolonizing the, the way that I think, that I know, that I learn, uh, and that I am, 
it's it's a very unique one uh, and I can talk a little bit more about that um, I think Mexico has long ways to go indigenous people in Mexico are very strong people uh, that have really fought uh, to get their their not even their lands back but just like basic human rights mm-hmm. uh, um, for them but so for me because I'm not currently in Mexico and I don't spend as much time as I really wish I could in Mexico I mostly go if I'm lucky once a year I really want to go more <laughs> working towards that but it's it's very hard for me to kind of have that experience on how things are going back home in terms of decolonizing the way things are done um, I always think I know and then I go back and I'm like oh I didn't know this but I can talk more about my own experience mm-hmm. and how I started to on this healing journey from uh, discovering who I am where I come from and my ancestry uh, and I think it's 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 a it's a Again, it's a very unique story, and I love it. Uh, I love every part of it, but it's it is very unique. I think. Um, basically, when I came to to these lands, to to Canada, I didn't have any intention of learning any of this. I didn't know about colonization. I didn't know what decolonizing me- meant. I didn't know, and this is very sad. But Canada, I think, has made a very good job in erasing indigenous people from the international lands of Canada mm-hmm. and when I came to Canada I actually didn't know anything about indigenous people in Canada and how that process of colonization in Canada had happened so it was a, a, a learning process and by learning the history of the the indigenous people here the first nations in it in Métis I started to ask myself my how did my own story what was my own story what was my own ancestry what had happened i started uh realizing that having indigenous ancestry was nothing to be ashamed of because again with the story of my grandma i grew up not talking about any of that we grew up like the mention of indigenous people in my grandma's house was like you couldn't say it, <laughs> you would, you know, you would get scolded if you, if you said anything about indigenous people, uh, and even less to talk on the language of on you knew or anything like that. So I started to wonder about that. I was very curious. I learned a lot about colonization in Canada. I immersed myself on learning about the, the, the first people and the indigenous people on these lands. Um, and somebody once said to me uh, that that was very powerful because they said that in that the north part of America, so like these lands, are the lands of the ancestors, are the lands of um, the, she said, are the lands of the grand, like the grandparents. And so for you to be learning about your ancestry in these lands, like there's a reason why mm. you came here. And there's a reason why you started to learn this and then you start to discover yourself mm-hmm. uh, in that sense. And that was very powerful for me. Uh, a Mexican friend said that to me. Um, and that was very powerful. I think another 
incredible thing for me was to learn about Turtle Island and to learn that actually my lands are part of Turtle Island. Mm -hmm. And I was, I think it connected me a lot to to this land. Uh, and I really needed that connection to 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 make sure that I was happy being in these lands and, and having that connection was extremely powerful. And so then, you know, after all this knowledge about that I received uh, and that I was very honored to receive from from the indigenous people here, uh, I decided to learn about my own uh, my own ancestry and started to ask questions, which sometimes it is a bit hard when you are only asking questions through FaceTime or through WhatsApp calls with your dad, with your parents, because I actually didn't really know where my dad stand standard stand stood on his own ancestry and his own roots because mm -hmm. we've never talked about that and i actually had like a feeling of you know this feeling of you're not you don't have enough indigenous blood in yourself to be like to be exploring these kind of things like do i really know where i come from like do i deserve this knowledge do i deserve to learn the language um that my ancestors spoke and it was until and, and I have been exploring that I am very uh, fortunate to have people in my life at this time that helped me explore that I go to women's circles now with my Mexican friends and it's a beautiful experience because we talked about this stuff um, they are teaching me how to play the drum uh, they gifted me a handmade high drum uh, and it was it's very beautiful but it was not until December when I went back home that I was like, okay, this has to happen. This is my time where I need to explore this part of myself. And I started asking questions. I was like, you know, did my grandma speak the language? Uh, who speaks the language? Uh, because we, I, I grew up going a lot to to the lands of my grandma because we still have the, the house of my grandma still there and so it was like my second home I grew mm -hmm. up on those lands I grew up learning about the land learning about um, maize uh, corn mm -hmm. I learned you know I was very connected to the lands but not to the ancestry that was connected to those lands mm -hmm. and so I started just asking questions and I discovered that I was like we had that ancestry more close to us than I thought. Mm -hmm. And I discovered that nobody was ashamed of it. I like talking to my dad, he wasn't ashamed of, of it uh, talking to me. And something very amazing happened on Christmas Eve when we were having dinner. I started asking again questions and questions. I don't know how people didn't get <laughs> tired of me, but I started asking like, well, how do you say this in Nyanyu? How do you say this in Nyanyu? And we just had something that has never happened where we started talking Nyanyu in the table in my grandma's house, which I don't know if she's <laughs> going to be very happy about. <laughs> she passed away um, around seven or eight years ago. But um, we started talking Nyanyu and I started, I was like, dad, you know, much like a lot more than I thought you knew. I never knew that you knew these words. I never knew that you could understand these words. And so it was, it was like an amazing moment. I like, I was so happy. My heart was so happy. And that's when I was like, you know what? I need to learn this language because also when I started asking, well, who knows you knew? It's like, well, your aunt, like your, your grandma's uh, sister knows you like, 
fluently uh, your grandma's brother knows you fluently the neighbor knows you fluently I'm like oh okay like that's mm. great but like they're elderly and nobody not a lot of young people around there know the dialect and Yanyu because there are so many different types of Yanyu around it's like they're very different dialects from mm-hmm. one place in the state to another one and there's other states that speak Yanyu and Otomi people are all, all over the place and so to learn the specific dialect of the place is very hard mm-hmm. and I just got you know I was very happy but at the same time it was this reality check of this is gonna get lost mm-hmm. as soon as the neighbor passes away that's it like mm-hmm. how do we make sure that that doesn't happen and how do we make sure well then we have to learn it uh and then comes the other complication of well i don't live in mexico and i don't live <laughs> in the states um and i have to make I, like it's very hard to learn because there's not uh, a lot of there's not courses out there to, to learn a new which is kind of sad uh or at least not online mm-hmm. and also again having the specific dialect of new it's very important for me. So, yeah, I think it's been like a lot of, uh, it's been a bumpy road, but I am just so happy that I was at least able to to open up those conversations and to reclaim that part in, in, our, in my family, at least, mm-hmm. of let's talk about this. Let's, um, let's learn it together. And now when I call my dad on the phone, I like, say hi to him and Yanyu and he's like wow you're actually like you're not kidding where you say you wanted to learn it <laughs> uh, so it's very beautiful and I, I think though that it makes me sad to say but I think I wouldn't have gotten there living in Mexico mm. uh, because that story is still very hidden mm-hmm. I think decolonization is not talked to as much as it should land acknowledgements are not a thing <laughs> i know it's like a very smart small part of the colonization but that's not a thing like we don't acknowledge who was here first um and indigenous people in mexico are still suffering from not only a, a racism and classism but from the violence that every Mexican is experiencing right now uh, we have um, a rage of violence in Mexico women have a rage of violence in Mexico and it's just I think very hard to deal with so much <laughs> and and still have time to to discover your roots and discover and reclaim that part of yourself so I'm very grateful for these lands to for have shown me the way to um, reclaim myself and reclaim my ancestry and get to know who I am because it's so important. You cannot do anything if you don't know who who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's yeah, it's pretty amazing. And so, yeah, it's it's been it's been a wild ride, but um, I'm happy that I'm here and I'm hoping to keep burning and to keep exploring that part of myself. Mm-hmm. and heal collectively with my family because mm-hmm. I think you know to heal a whole nation needs to start with healing each other and, and to start with yourself and with your family and with your community and go from there so I don't know just a little step <laughs> towards reclaiming that and, and decolonizing those aspects wow. <laughs> yeah 
Whoa. <laughs> I almost started crying at one part. And I was like, Me too. Keep it together. You're fine. <laughs> start um, normalizing crying in our episodes. Right? Just, yeah. It's fine. It's fine. I don't need to. It's just cry quietly. No one can see us. <laughs> um, <laughs> as we're recording. Um, no, that's that's beautiful. And uh, honestly, I don't think that's going to be the last story that we're going to hear that's similar to that mm-hmm. um i think the the intergenerational trauma is something that hasn't been touched on yet and like hasn't even been acknowledged mm-hmm. um seeing as like colonization hasn't even really been brought up properly in conversation intergenerational trauma is like over there mm-hmm. um but that's definitely like the sounds of it that is definitely what you're experiencing and honestly everybody who's been colonized like we all are touched by that definitely and like going back to the piece where you're like you're speaking your language in your grandma's house right and you said that you like you're not sure if she's gonna be happy about that since she's in the spirit world I would argue she's probably very very um proud mm-hmm. yeah yeah I think so because um she was such a strong woman <laughs> like I couldn't go through what she went through mm-hmm. and I understand the decisions she had to take to make sure that her children grew up the way she that her children didn't grow up the way she grew up mm-hmm. um they did my grandma my dad they grew up in extreme poverty again uh, most of it from you know white supremacists and and uh systemic barriers that get put towards indigenous people and even people that just don't live in the the center of the country in Mexico City and or, urban places. Um, so she actually, when I asked if she spoke her language, my dad said, no, she didn't. All her siblings spoke the language, but she didn't speak the language. Uh, and it's just a very sad study on why she didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, she left her house when she was very little um, due to violence uh, inside the home. Mm-hmm. And that's why she didn't speak her language. And that's why, you know, in a certain way, speaking her language reminded her of of violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think intergenerational trauma, it's so invisible. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's not always like, you know, it's not always obvious that it's intergenerational trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not always obvious that it's caused because of colonialism. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, it's just it's just a hard life. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, like it's so much layers to to how people are the way they are and how trauma accumulates uh, throughout your life and then, you know, goes towards um, your family and your children and all of that. And so it's it's very complicated. Um, and I, again, through through this journey, I'm like, you know what, I understand why my dad is the way he is. Uh, he's not a violent person, thank goodness, but like, mm-hmm. I'm very glad. He's a, an amazing man, but a lot of the things that I thought made him maybe not the perfect father, mm-hmm. I now realize come from intergenerational trauma. And, I, and that helps so much to know that it's intergenerational trauma caused by these oppressive systems, because then it takes out that that pressure of like you're like you know what now I'm not upset by the way that you did things now I have compassion Mm -hmm. and now I know that I can change it now that I know it Uh, so it's like 
it's very hard, but I think it also knowing it is like, it's the first step towards healing yes. those relationships mm-hmm. uh, and knowing where where it came from um, and how much we have been carrying yeah. for so many generations. Mm-hmm. It's too much. And if it's left on the shoulders of your friends, not wonder why, uh, right? Like yeah. we, we have to take it off the shoulders of one specific person and heal collectively. So yeah, I, yeah, I just, I'm very happy that I can kickstart this process and hopefully also help my dad heal from, mm-hmm. from a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I can relate to a lot of that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. scoop. Yeah. My dad's Enoch and carries a lot of things that he shouldn't, doesn't really need to carry anymore because of all the yeah. intergenerational trauma. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And another thing I wanted to touch on that you mentioned earlier was the fact that you were unsure if you were supposed to be learning any of this because you weren't sure if you were indigenous enough. Mm-hmm. You very much deserve to learn and get yeah. to know who you are deep down. That's something we've yeah. both struggled with over the years. And um, yeah. we just need to hold each other up and be like, we can't let the colonizers win, all right? You are yeah. more than enough mm-hmm. to be able to learn about your ancestors and who you are. Yeah, yeah it's you? just so hard to be so um, removed from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only like spiritually, but like geographically. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> it's such a different experience i almost i almost stayed in mexico i was like (laughs) i can stay here Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just like learn this if i if that's what i really want to maybe Mm -hmm. one day Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, yeah and i don't know like our bodies carry uh, so much of that energy from from our ancestry even if we don't know it i feel our bodies know it yeah. our spirits know it uh and when i go to mexico when i go to those lands like it's just such a feeling of like renewing my spirit and renewing my energy mm-hmm. and i think i think even if i didn't know it before <laughs> i knew that uh, my ancestors were there and they wanted me to to reconnect to this land and they put me in the path for me to to do that mm-hmm. so <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. that's beautiful mm-hmm. um i guess the last question well second to last question i guess that's my favorite question we have a bonus last question yeah. um what what more do you want to see done like what do you think is needed um to be able to take start taking those steps towards decolonization um, other than like for the country in a sense, I guess. That's a very complicated question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, I think the first step for me, uh, for Mexico that I would love to see is to, to make sure people don't feel ashamed anymore mm-hmm. of being indigenous um and actually sorry a little sidetrack uh in in the the question of what's being done i actually in the little in the little town where my dad grew up they actually now teach nyanyu as a language in uh in schools so so that's that's amazing but i think mm-hmm. you know like those steps can be taken Mm-hmm. To, to make sure people know it. But then 
from that to actually being like, you know what? I know this language. I'm going to go out into the world and I'm going to put in my, in my resume. I'm going to, you know, go to these jobs with my whole identity of being a new person. Mm-hmm. That's ways to go, right? Because mm-hmm. first we need to make sure that people feel safe mm-hmm. and we need to dismantle those like oppressive systems that still, if people put that they know an indigenous language, it's like, well, okay and like like do you know english <laughs> you know french yeah. um so i think it needs to start with i don't want to say just education but like compassion and mm. uh, and just like not yeah like not putting indigenous people down for being indigenous and you know, again, unfortunately, Mexico does suffer from a lot of systemic violence um, that that I think need to be addressed hand in hand with the systemic violence against indigenous people. The systemic violence against women women need to be addressed at the same time. And so I think it's very complicated, uh, but I just think the first step, I just wish that we could see... And these people not only as a token, because it's also like the indigenous people of Mexico, like, you know, like so great, but it's like, okay, but do you actually see them as value members of society Mm -hmm. or draw uh, tourism Mm -hmm. to your country? Mm -hmm. We need to step away from that narrative, uh, being proud, but not only proud, but actually like being like, yes, actually like. We need to have like an all indigenous cabinet or not. Like, we need to have an indigenous person as president talking like an indigenous language. Uh, we actually need to see them as value members of society, mm-hmm. not just as little tokens that we can throw around whenever we want to mm-hmm. us feel proud of mm-hmm. something, <laughs> of heritage or anything like that. And, um, and definitely making the learning of indigenous history, indigenous languages, much more accessible to to people. Not only to those that, I don't know, like go to university wanting to study history or something like that, but actually to the whole um, population of Mexico, like here, indigenous language to learn uh, and making them accessible for people. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a very concrete accent for that because it, it overwhelms me a lot. Everything that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I hope that people just like an individual hears about this and, you know, it's like, okay, let me explore what type of ancestry do I have? Uh, let me talk to my grandma if we still have them around um, and and go from there and actually feeling proud of, of who you are. Uh, because for the longest time, I would never say that I had indigenous ancestry until three years ago. Mm. <laughs> make that a part of my identity so yeah i think small steps that will hopefully one day be larger steps mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. those are all great those are all super they're all great i was like don't even get me started when it comes to <laughs> tourism and nation states yeah. profiting off of indigenous people through yeah. tourism yeah. that's part of my thesis mm-hmm. like, yeah. it'll yeah. fire it up <laughs> <laughs> she's like get over here let me talk about it all right are you ready for the final question it's my favorite okay and it really ties in 
to everything you said perfectly. Mm-hmm. What are your top <laughs> three favorite things about being Indigenous? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think, again, because I'm still grappling with my identity, I, I don't in this moment consider myself Indigenous. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. I, it's very complicated. I, I don't want to take away from <laughs> indigenous people, right? Um, but I think I think the connection to the land, mm-hmm. it's one, uh, super important. I think um, just knowing how the land works, uh, connecting to the plants around the land, and having that connection that is just so hard to explain, that you just feel it when you have it. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of my favorite ones. I think um, just, I don't know, like, I, I'm just so proud because I feel just like the love we have for each other, like as a community, mm-hmm. uh, like in my dad's little town, like everybody's just so kind to each other. Um, everybody's just so happy to help. And I feel like sometimes that's not seen in like bigger, you know, like urban centers. So I love that relationship. And the other, my other favorite thing would be just being, (laughs) just having that ancestry and having something behind me that I'm, that now I can say it's all going to be okay because my ancestors are taking care of me. it's going to be okay. This is something that your ancestors sent to you to for whatever reason. And and just having that certainty that I'm not alone mm-hmm. and that I have, you know, generations of, of matrix and, and women and uh, ancestry taking care of me <laughs> for the rest of my days. So And that I will one day be one of those ancestors mm-hmm. taking care of me. I think that's my favorite part, just being and, and having that to carry me through through my days. And yeah. <laughs> those are all fabulous answers. I love them. Yeah, those are great. <laughs> wow. I'm glad yeah. you love them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just being tied to the ancestors is always just so special. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have so much to learn, I think. Also, like, I'm just excited for the journey mm-hmm. of finding myself <laughs> I think and yeah and find myself like in this way of walk like find myself by the hands of my ancestors I think mm-hmm. is the best the best part um of it so mm-hmm. yeah I still have long ways to go but we'll get there <laughs> mm-hmm. and I hope that one day I can know who I am <laughs> mm-hmm. truly mm-hmm. yeah we wish nothing but the best for you on that journey mm-hmm it's not going to be the most easy one, but it's, it's going to be exciting and um, yeah. it'll be beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm so glad to have people like like you, Madeline, or like anybody else. For those of you who don't know, Madeline and I met at a policy program for BIPOC and immigrant refugee youth. And it's just such a magical space to have. Not only my ancestors, but people like all of you mm-hmm. <laughs> walking beside me on that journey. And when I, I know that when I'm feeling, you know, unsure about any of this, I can rely on any of them for, for a helping hand <laughs> mm-hmm. on, on finding myself. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I was very <laughs> thankful to have met you. Aww. Yeah. It's a it's a magical experience. <laughs> I know I love that group. <laughs> yeah, you folks have a really nice, like, very supportive community mm-hmm. within that program. Yeah, you need to find that community mm-hmm. um, because again, we like it's great to have our ancestors. But we unfortunately cannot rely just on our ancestors. <laughs> we really need to find our our community on this plane to to help us yeah. um, get through it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing your story and thank Mm -hmm. you for bringing your ancestors to this space for us Mm -hmm. as well. Thank you, everybody. I, yeah, thank you, Madeline, for inviting me. I really appreciate uh, a space to share this story and I hope people, at least somebody can resonate to it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, no matter how hard the journey is to find yourself and to reclaim part of who you are, um, you're not alone and there's a community of us trying to do it (laughs) and we will do it uh collectively and you know like my i just want to close up with my favorite uh line which is we are our ancestors wildest dreams so Mm -hmm. you know just keep going (laughs) thank you to both of you i really appreciate you (laughs) yeah thanks for spending time with us yes of course all right all right you're closing. I am. <laughs> so we can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Podcasts, Pocket Podcasts, yeah, Google Podcasts, maybe. <laughs> no, <laughs> Amazon, <laughs> maybe soon. <laughs> I just say Google our name, and usually it'll pop up with all sorts. Check of out our website. Follow us on Instagram at Spilling Tea under Cedar Trees. No, that's not right. The Spilling right? Lab Tea Under Cedar Trees is our trees. Instagram and our TikTok <laughs> handle. Heck yeah. <laughs> but our website is spillingtea.ca. See, there we go. <laughs> it's only been a couple years of this and I still don't know how to do that. But We're adding more things every time. That's why. That's why. Uh, but thank you everyone for joining us and we hope to see you next time. See you later. Namaltis. Namaltis.